This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Patriots Beat Network at CLNS Radio. I am your host, Jeff Kane at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me as always is Bob Snowden at Snowden Bob. Of course, you can follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat. Download us on iTunes or Stitcher, www.clnsradio.patsbeatstitcher, www.clnsradio.patsbeatitunes. Patriots 5-2 and two on the season, heading up against the Chicago Bears on Sunday, and it will be a bit of a test against the Chicago Bears, especially with the fact that the Patriots are now not missing one of their key stalwarts, but two on defense, as Chandler Jones has an injured back and is reported to be out a month. Of course, the Patriots have made some moves. They've signed Akeem Ayers, or actually traded for Akeem Ayers, uh, from the Tennessee Titans, and it has not been confirmed yet, but it looks like they've signed Allen Branch to defensive tackle from the Buffalo Bills, who was cut for a little drinking and driving before the season. But hopefully that will add to the New England Patriots defense because the next six games for the New England Patriots are going to be a war of attrition. This is where the Patriots are going to win and or lose their their season is this next six games. Without further ado, I'm going to bring in my main man, the old man, Bob Snowden. Bob, how you doing? Doing today? good. Feeling older every day. By the, we all get older every day. By the way, I was kind of tweeting around because, as you just mentioned, I hadn't seen confirmation uh, that that Branch had actually signed. However, uh, Mark Daniels and Eric Friends both came on, and Mark replied to my asking, "Has anyone seen confirmation?" And he said they saw them in the dress in the locker room today, and the uh, the equipment manager was giving him a locker. So that's a pretty good sign that he probably uh, has agreed, although I hadn't seen. And he's not listed on the Patriots roster anywhere yet. So obviously doubtful for Sunday since he's never even practiced with the team. But, uh, you know, and, and who knows how good he's going to be. I, uh, he's young. He's, uh, I mean, 29. He's not old. I, I think the bigger... That's old to half of Patriots Nation. Well, <laughs> not to, to me and you. Me, that's a kid. Definitely not, not, <laughs> definitely not to you. But uh, yes, we'll uh, we'll see. We're going to be joined uh, on the podcast today by uh, Nesson's uh, Patriots writer Doug Kide. Doug is a good friend of the program. In fact, he was 
my first guest on my first ever solo podcast, Patriots Goal to Go, which has morphed into Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. So we'll get Doug's, uh, you know, Doug's look at what the Patriots need to do, not only on Sunday, but the rest of the season, and especially over the next four weeks, to replace Chandler Jones. Uh, we'll get Doug on the phone in a couple minutes and go from there. By the way, and, speaking uh, of Jones... Before we forget, let's send congratulations to Chris Jones, who was the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week this week. He's the one that blocked the field goal. He went from goat to hero. A year ago, he was the player that was called for going over the back, if you remember, on the Jets field goal. Of course I remember. I tweeted it out right after it happened. (laughs) That, remember, was a penalty that literally cost the Patriots the game. So he redeemed himself this past week by blocking a field goal. And I don't know about you, Jeff, but I was waiting for the flag to fly. <laughs> I was too. And, you know, there's that minor controversy because uh, they moved Dante Hightower from over the center. Of course, it's been done a few times. But, hey, anything New York can do to bitch about the Patriots or the back way forth as the Patriots can bitch about the Jets, hey, it's a heated rivalry. That's what happens in sports. Uh, you expect to uh, – you know, you expect to kill your rival. It doesn't always happen. Uh, what do you say we get Doug Kide on the line and uh, and talk to him a little bit about the New England Patriots? Sure, let's go for it. Well, joining us on the line right now is Nesson Patriots beat writer Doug Kide from Nesson.com. Doug, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Uh, you know, we we couldn't be better. Well, I guess we yeah, could we be could. better, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of gloom and doom talking uh, Patriots Nation right now, wouldn't you think, for a five and two team? I know it's uh, it's a little crazy. I, I think some of it's a little bit over dramatic, but no, this is a pretty uncertain five and two team. I'd say actually, when you look at the team, Doug, they play the Bears this weekend, and then they they have an almost unbelievable schedule after that. So. Is this a must-win game, or as close as you're going to get this early in the season to a must-win game against the Bears? Yeah, I think so. And it, even this one, it's going to be tough. It's no walk in the park. And now I think it is a must-win game because, like you just said, you, you got the Broncos and you got the Bide and the the, the, the Colts, Colts, the Lions. It, it, it's such a tough schedule there coming up. So, no, it's going to be a tough matchup, and this Bears team has, uh, has been much better on the road this season, which – Probably doesn't make the Patriots feel any better, but uh, no, it's it's probably a must-win game. Otherwise, they could go into a real spiral here in the next few games. What do you what do you think, Doug, is going to be the Patriots' biggest issue in this matchup against the Chicago Bears? Because I'm looking at it right now, and I'm seeing two uh, two things that the Patriots don't always defend well, and that's Marcellus Bennett down the seam at tight end, and then Matt Forte catching passes out of the backfield. Yeah, those are the those are the two issues that I'm really looking at too. Just because I, I think the two cornerbacks can take out Jeffrey and Marshall pretty well, and if Browner can only play half the game again, then maybe Alfonso Dennard might have a little bit of trouble with Alshon Jeffrey. But no, Bennett and Forte, those guys could be issues. Uh, Jamie Collins hasn't been quite as good at covering tight ends this season. His statistics have been fine, but we've seen quite a few. Uh, Pass has been thrown incomplete on him that were either quarterback error or tight end error. And he kind of has to limit those. And maybe if Hightower takes over that middle linebacker spot, Collins can focus a little bit more on covering tight ends. But it's going to be Hightower's job to cover the, the running back forte, I think. 
unless they want to sneak a safety like Patrick Chung up there. And Hightower's been good at limiting yards after catch, but he's been allowing a lot of catches. So Forte's dangerous when he gets the ball in his hand, and either one of those guys could be uh, could be a pretty tough matchup for those Patriots linebackers. Well, when you look at the loss of Mayo and and the defense, and I think most of us prior to the year were looking at this defense as potentially a top ten, top five defense. Now with the injuries that have have happened, how do you compare it with last year when they had all those injuries? Are they do you think better prepared to handle it than they were last year? Even though last year they won a lot of games. I really it's it's funny because the the spots that they did suffer injuries at, I don't think they were prepared for them at defensive end and linebacker. And I think this defense still has the potential to be better than last season, just because Chandler Jones will reportedly be coming back in about a month. But no, I like I think they tried to prepare ahead for that linebacker spot with James Anderson, James Morris, Cameron Gordon. Two of those guys got hurt. They cut Anderson, and then that left them obviously with the pieces that they had there, Deontay Skinner had to play. Uh, maybe if Akeem Ayers steps up, I- I'm not sure how much role he'll play this week just before, just because he just came in. He seems a little bit in over his head, I'd say. Maybe we'll see him as an edge rusher this week, if anything. But, uh, you know, I-, I don't think they've played very well. ahead. I think that has kind of been an issue over the last few seasons for these Belichick coach teams. Doug, you had an article earlier this uh, this week about how the Patriots could move forward without uh, Gerard uh, Mayo and now Ch- Chandler Jones and, and what they'd be able to do. You had them uh, in a 4-3 overlook as well as a 3-4 look. Um, in, in your ideal situation, do the Patriots go to more of a heavy line to protect their linebacker uh, depth here? I think they I think they kind of have to, especially in that in that regular base defense. Uh, just because, especially this week, with Forte playing, he carries the ball a lot. He does a lot of damage there in that spot. So if they do load up the line a little bit, obviously it'll hinder the, the pass defense and the pass rush. But that might not matter quite as much in that regular defense just because that's usually where teams will be running the ball. So I think – whether it's a, a three-man line or a four-man line, one of those hybrid looks, I think they do have to have three big bodies up there, whether it's uh, Alan Branch, Vince Wilfork, Casey Walker, Chris Jones. I think you have to find some combination of those three guys just to really protect themselves because they can't allow 218 yards on the ground again and expect to win. It's just it's not a winning formula, and they're going to lose eventually by allowing that heavy yardage on the ground. Well, and, and despite the fact that Forte has a lot of yards on the ground, the Bears are not a running team. They're 24th in the league right. in rushing. Uh, so maybe that'll help the Patriots in that they don't have to worry quite as much about the rush uh, because they have been terrible. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what they can do. You know, Jeff, you just went through scenarios, but the, the Bears don't scare you a whole bunch on the run except for Forte. And, you know, he, he is just an anomaly. I mean, the guy is, is, does everything well. Uh, but but I, I worry more about him catching the ball. He leads the NFL in, in pass catching. So it's kind of hard to gauge with this Bears team, uh, especially the, the, the way the Pats have been so up and down. Uh, at what point 
And and it looks like they may have some of their offensive linemen back this week, Doug. At what point will they solidify, and I'm switching to the offense for a minute, that offensive line? I think it might come this week. Uh, Dan Connolly and Brian Stork have both been practicing. Cameron Fleming has as well. Cameron Fleming has a he's got a cast like a he's got like an oven mitt on his hand at this point. So maybe he doesn't play, but I'm not sure if it really matters if he plays. I think that the best combination on that offensive line is Nate Boulder, Ryan Westell, Brian Stork, Dan Connolly, and Sebastian Vollmer. And I think we might actually see those five players come back for the Patriots this week. I think that that will definitely help a lot on that offensive side of the ball. Tom Brady seems more comfortable over the last couple of weeks as the line has, has improved. And as those pieces come back, Stork and Connolly, those guys have both been very good this year. Wendell's been very good. I, I think that will definitely help improve every aspect of the offense, the running game, the passing game, everything, because the running game definitely needs some work right now, too. It, it hasn't been the same Patriots running game as we saw last season, especially at the end of the year. Well, that goes right into my wheelhouse, the running game, because last week they only ran the ball 15 times. They had a healthy average. I mean, they averaged over four yards a a carry. But why do the Patriots just get away from the running game? It's like they don't even try to establish the run. I understand that Stephen Ridley is hurt, but Shane Vereen is a good running back. Jonas Gray is we don't know yet. What can they do to make this team become more balanced? I think they wanted to establish the run a little bit better in that game on Thursday night, but really it was just kind of the way the the game dictated how the Patriots had to use their offense. And even that 49-yard pass to Shane Vereen kind of affected things. If that doesn't happen, then I think they do try to establish the run early. But that game was close. They had to keep passing. They had to keep the ball moving only had the ball for 19 minutes on offense. So I think they will definitely try to establish the run a little bit better in this game. And I think that we will see quite a bit more of Jonas Gray. He only had three carries last week, 12 offensive snaps. I think both of those at least double. I think he probably gets about eight or nine carries, 20 snaps or so. And I think he's going to start to establish himself more and more. And he's just what they need there in the middle of the offense, that guy who can – who can pound it between the tackles. He's about 230 pounds. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, dependable guy, uh, tough guy, and he holds on to the football. So I think that they will start to improve that running game a little bit this week. But the game really dictates how they can move the ball. And if they start getting into – they start getting behind again, then they're going to have to throw the ball. Well, and in, in the other thing, when you mentioned Gray, he picked up a couple of blitzes which is always the concern you have when you bring a rookie in uh, that hasn't had much experience and the team blitzes, and that's where they usually are really weak. He did pick up a couple of blitzes, and even Josh McDaniels mentioned it after the game. Um, He complimented his running style and how hard he runs and, and the fact that he does take the similar role that Ridley had. Now, is he as good as Ridley? Probably not. Otherwise, uncertainty would have been drafted somewhere. But the fact that Josh McDaniels, uh, who is calling the plays, and, and I know Jeff loves him, but he, he, that, was, that was, yeah, that was a little tongue-in-cheek, uh, Doug. But, but maybe that will give him a little more confidence so he can balance it out more. And, and I know what you're saying about the, the, the game dictating – but they were ahead in the game, so they could have run. They just 
literally didn't. I know that yeah, wasn't a question. Was, um, <laughs> right. I don't know how to format no, the was, question here. <laughs> it, was, it was a weird game. It absolutely was. And it was either a, a three and out for the Patriots or it was a, or it was a great drive. So I think that was part of it, too. But, <clears throat> excuse me again. <clears throat> Gray did do a great job of, of picking up blitzes, and he said that that's something that he really prides himself on. And I think that that comes from being on a practice squad for two and a half seasons. Those are the things that you have to do, and you have to be a physical player, and you're constantly going up against the first-team defense, and you're going up against the best players on that defense. So I think that that is why they can trust him, and that's, that's why it, it's only the Patriots would do this, but it's funny how their second string running back was actually on the practice squad to begin the season. And I think that that's why he is getting those chances. Doug, switching gears a little bit, staying on the offensive side of the ball against Cincinnati, we saw the two tight ends set uh, used pretty well. And we saw Tim Wright come up with uh, five receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown the following week against the bears. Only one catch I'll bet for a touchdown. Then last week, the, I mean, his, Best uh, best play really was a bad play where uh, you know he was he was called for a penalty. What's going on here with Tim Wright? Because we look at him and we think, okay, he's going to break out. Here comes the two tight ends offense again, and then it's kind of gone dormant the last two weeks. Yeah, it's very strange to see how they're using uh, Tim Wright this season. He's only really getting ten or twenty snaps per game, and. You know, sometimes he gets those those five receptions, and sometimes he gets zero. And it is very strange to see, especially seeing how much Danny Amendola has struggled this season. But I think that there's only so many snaps to go around for all those receivers, and they're either using Polamano Anui as a blocker, or they're using Amendola in, in his slot role, or they're using James Devlin as a blocker, and. I think they still just haven't really decided on their best offensive weapons. But, I mean, I agree with you. I think that Wright should be getting many more snaps, many more targets. Uh, it just adds some deception to that offense, and that's what they desperately need. They need to keep defenses off their, on their toes and, and not knowing whether they're going to pass and run. I think that having those two tight ends on the field, that's perfect. The, uh, the opposing defense has no idea whether they're passing or running at that point. Well, and the other thing they started to do, um, especially in the Cincinnati game, and I know Jeff and I were talking beforehand, and I mentioned I couldn't understand why they had completely dropped going to the no-huddle or the hurry-up type offense. They came out in Cincinnati and used it, not all the time, but again, going back to what you were just saying, Doug, to throw them off balance. And now they seem to go away from it again this past week. It was working well. Why? Why would you go away from something that works? It, that is, that's also very strange. And it seems like even over the last couple of years, they've kind of gone away from the no huddle a little bit. I think I, I, I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that it was kind of in its peak when Brian, Bill O'Brien was still around. And then ever since then, it's kind of tailed off a little bit. And this season, they're barely using it at all. But I think that that two tight end set really is the perfect opportunity to use the no huddle, especially when you have a guy like Shane Vereen on the field who can run, put a wide receiver, do, do a number of different things. And it's possible that as some of these players, you know, become a little bit more comfortable, then they might start, start using that no huddle a little bit more. I think they might have gone away from it last year because there were so many rookie wide receivers 
now you bring in LaFell and Tim Wright and now Jonas Gray. And it's just tough to do that when everyone doesn't know the offense as well as a Wes Welker or a Deion Branch. But uh, LaFell has picked up the offense very quickly, so I think that he is probably assimilated enough to now start using those no-huddle looks. And Tim Wright's a very smart guy as well. So I think that we will start to get more as the season goes along, but maybe not as much as we once thought in its peak when everyone really knew the offense like the back of their hand, the Welker, Branch, Hernandez, Gronk, all those guys. Well, and I wouldn't expect them to use them that much, but Brady seems really comfortable in it when they use it. And because the offensive line has been erratic at best, he makes the play quickly. You keep the defense on the field. It does some things. And again, I'm not saying use it half the game. I'm not saying even a quarter of the game. But but when you get in a rhythm, and he did seem to get in a rhythm using that a couple of games ago, it really looks good. And that first possession, I want to say, in the Cincinnati game, they used it quite a bit, just marched down the field. Prior to that, they hadn't scored a touchdown on their first possession all season. So sticking with the offense, Aaron Dobson, is he still hurt? Is he in the doghouse? What's going on? Uh, I don't know if I'd say either is is 100% correct. I think he's just not quite as good as Brandon LaFell and not quite as dangerous as Brian Timms. Uh, when you've got Timms on the field, the opposing team has to respect that deep half of the field, as, as he proved in that Bills game. And Dobson doesn't prevent doesn't present quite as much of a threat on that on that deep ball as, as Tim's does. And LaFell, I think we've kind of seen over the last four weeks or so what he can do in this offense. And he's he's a weapon that Brady hasn't really had for quite a few years now. A guy who's big, he can catch it over cornerbacks, he can get some yards after the catch. And Dobson had some sporadic good moments last season, but not nearly as consistent as LaFell has been this year. It's possible that Dobson starts to take away some of these inactive games and he starts to see the game more and Tim's is inactive. But for now, I think the Patriots kind of like what they have. They like that rotation that they've got. And I think they really like LaFell. And so far, there's a lot of reasons to like him. I I wasn't sure if he was going to fit in this offense just because he came from such a simple offense in Carolina. But I think he's been great for the Patriots so far. Doug, uh, final question for me, switching sides back over the defense. Uh, you had a, another article up on Nessence.com this week uh, about Brandon, uh, Brandon Brown, his first uh, return to the Patriots, and it was up and down uh, situation for him. What can we expect in game two back, especially against two very physical wide receivers for Chicago in Alshon Jeffrey and, of course, uh, Brandon Marshall? I think we'll certainly see him play more snaps this weekend. I think that's going to be really important, especially going up against Jeffrey. I, I fully expect Revis will be matched up on Marshall. Uh, Browners can be matched up on Jeffrey. And I think he'll be better. I, I don't really know still what Browner is in this defense, just because he was used so well with the Seahawks. His, his best thing is just to protect that sideline, force his receivers to the sideline. And when he starts going over the middle, that's when things start getting a little shaky. But he has to stop with the penalties. He, he can't be called for holding twice, even if one of those was a, a legal contact. But he can't be called for two penalties in one game. He has to stay on the field longer. And I think we will see a better player there. But 
he's definitely going to have to be protected a little bit by his safeties and his linebackers just because he's not a perfect cornerback. He's not Darrell Rivas, and he's not even as versatile as uh, Alfonso Dennard, but when he's able to play to his strength and that's really forcing the guy to the sideline, he can be pretty dominant. All right, my final question. It's been a roller coaster ride for Tom Brady this year. He has really looked good in the last three games. In fact, he's making the long throws, which he hasn't made in years. Uh, people are saying now's the time to trade him. I, and a lot of the media and the, the, the are, are kind of jumping on board that. Is this a good time to get rid of Tom Brady? No, I don't think so. I think that <laughs> you, ride, you ride Brady until every last drop of, of talent runs out. Uh, I think that, you know, they drafted Garoppolo for three years down the line. They didn't draft Garoppolo for this year. And I don't think they even drafted Garoppolo for next year, possibly not even the year after that. I think that they really drafted Garoppolo because they wanted a solid backup who could potentially be the future. But, no, I, this isn't the time to, to trade Tom Brady, especially when he's still playing hot. He can make a team – he can make the Patriots look extremely stupid if he wins a Super Bowl for another team, and that's <laughs> – that's yep. definitely a possibility this year. I think that, you know, any of those articles, like the one ESPN had this week, it's just they're just throwing stuff at the wall to, to you know, try to drum up some conversation. But, no, he's, uh, he's sticking around this year. Well, Doug, thank you very much for giving us uh, some time today on the Patriots Beat Podcast. And, of course, you can follow Doug on Twitter at, at Doug Kide Nesson and, of course, read him at Nesson.com. Doug, thank you very much. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Well, that again, of course, was Doug Kide from Nesson. And Doug was brought to you by the all-new CLMS Radio mobile app. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. After months of anticipation, hard work, CLMS Radio is proud to announce the release of our new mobile application. And we are giving away two free Celtics tickets. Get the details here. (laughs) This is the details. You're going to get the details here. I'm going to give you the details. What are the details, so, Jeff? Here, here are the details. So basically, you go on to CLNS Radio's Facebook site, www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans, and you like us there, and then you download the app, and if you're an iPhone user, you go to www.clnsradio.com slash iOS free, and if you have an Android, you go to www.clnsradio.com slash Android. Very simple. You just like us on Facebook and then rate and review the app, and then you are eligible to win two free Celtics tickets, uh, of course, in this upcoming season for the Celtics. I think it's a hell of a good thing. You just download an app. If you're already, if you're already liking the Patriots beat, uh, Red Sox beat, Celtics beat, the post-game show for the Bruins, the post-game show for the Patriots, why not just download it? Get yourself a couple of free tickets. There you go, right? Sounds good. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit more about this game coming up here. Not only the game coming up, Bob, but the next six games coming up. Uh, let's let's you know let's stay as Bill Belichick would like to say, as Teddy Bruschi used to say. We take it one game at a time around here. So let's look at this. This matchup against the Chicago Bears, I was uh, I was lucky to go on to a uh, a very good uh, podcast uh, earlier tonight, um, or earlier actually last night, and talk to uh, 
and, and talked to some Chicago Bears uh, podcasters. Very good group of guys. I'm a big fan of the Chicago uh, area. They, uh, you know, you're probably going to yell at me now because I like the Buffalo, and and now you're going to oh. say, oh yeah, but it's at Lochter, Lochter and Lawrence. <laughs> L at L A R C H E R L O R E N S E N. A couple uh, uh, great guys that we did. Uh, we did some talking about the uh, the Patriots versus Chicago this coming week. Um, you know, and and you know they tweeted out some stuff that I had said about uh, you know you're only as good as your quarterback, and, and that is true. Were you were you misquoted? By them on I wasn't their miss. I don't know if I was misquoted. I, I because I did say that Tom Brady is not the quarterback that he used to be, and that's what came out. But what I kind of said was that Tom Brady isn't the same quarterback that he was in 2007 or 2011, and I think we can all agree he's not the same quarterback. Now, granted, he doesn't isn't throwing to Randy Moss anymore, but and I also said that uh, you know. The Bears had a good chance to win, and as I said to Doug a couple minutes ago, it's because the Bears do some things that the Patriots don't defend great. And number one is Matt Forte, and number two is Marcellus Bennett, the tight end. So what do you think? How can the Patriots get after these guys, Bob? Well, see, I am not a big fan of the quarterback of the Bears, Jay Cutler has an arm like a rocket and a head like a rock. He does things that he he has so much confidence no one can bring him down that sometimes he holds the ball forever. Now, I don't think the Pats are going to get a bunch of sacks, but he does get sacked a lot. He also does make a lot of mistakes for for an experienced quarterback. I mean, his rating isn't bad. He's He's got 14 TDs. He does have seven interceptions. Uh, and his overall rating is pretty good, 94.4. So when he is good, he is very, very good. When he is bad, he's like that little girl with a curl in the middle of her forehead. He's very, very bad. And and he has had games that he was very bad, including last week. And, and I just, you know, I, I agree with Doug that the wide receivers – on the Bears, our defense, our cornerbacks, our safeties have really been good this year. They've been pretty consistent. In fact, they're very high in the league and have never – they're the only team in the NFL, Jeff, that haven't given up a pass over 40 yards this year. That's – you know, Bobby Kay brought that up when he and I were doing a postgame show saying he couldn't remember one, and then I was looking at some stuff and found it this week and didn't realize they're the only team in the NFL that have given up a pass of 40 yards. So the deep pass, which is what Cutler likes to throw, is I don't believe he will have the opportunity to throw it. I do worry I, – I really worry more uh, – <laughs> And and how can you not worry more about Forte than I do about anyone else on that team? He can run, although they are, you know, towards the bottom of the league in, in running per game, in, in yards per game running. But he is so – I mean, I, I just – God, I would kill to have this guy in a Patriots uniform, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's a running back. Yeah. A good running back. Who can catch the ball. I'd love to have – who could catch the ball, he'd be able to do it all. You know, and, and here's the thing. I think uh, if you're a defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots 
and your Matt Patricia or your Bill Belichick, you got to think that teams on the offensive side of the ball are going to try to run against you. The Miami Dolphins did it and beat the Patriots, getting over 190 yards. The Kansas City Chiefs did it and beat the Patriots. And last week, you know, New York Jets did it. And, and really, that game was a lot closer than it should have been because of the way they were able to dictate the the game because they held the ball so long. And that's one of the things that really bothered me about the Patriots game plan, not as much on defense, because I'm going to give it, I'm going to give them a pass on this one, playing a short week without your signal caller, you know, Chandler Jones getting banged up somewhere in that game, uh, you know, a little tough to d- defend the run there. And they came right out and just decided to, you know, pound the ball down the Patriots face. So, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared of uh, of Matt Forte because of what he can bring to this table. Because the the Bears can basically come out, um, you know, in a in a two wide receiver formation with those two big wide receivers. Now, I do believe that both uh, Brandon Browner and um, and Darrell Revis can shut down those those uh, outside wide receivers. It worries me what they're going to do inside. So I can see a lot of draws. I can see a lot of swing passes. You know, the Patriots have been bad over the last couple of years defending the flats um, against a running back. So I'm a little nervous there, but we'll see. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll remind a lot of people of what the what the Patriots came up as a defensive game plan uh, against the St. Louis Rams in the 2001 Super Bowl um, so, where whoa, they whoa, really – what? Just compare this Chicago Bears team with that St. Louis Super Bowl team. Come on. Only because no, I'm not comparing uh, talent-wise, Bob. Are you, are you, I'm comparing their skill positions. And granted, Tory Holt is is you know better than um, better than Elshon Jeffries. I would say Isaac Bruce is not quite as good as as, as Brandon Marshall, but what I, what I was what I was Don't comparing even go there. No, listen. What I was comparing was the fact that you have a running back in the backfield that the offense goes to. I mean, he has 52 receptions going into this game. He's the only running back in football who has 50 plus carries and 50 plus receptions. Obviously, the Offense is run through Matt Forte, but their offense per- is erratic, Jeff. I understand. I mean, 18th in points scored, 17th in yards, 24th in rushing yards. 20. I understand. You, you fucking in these stats. Oh <laughs> man, you're going to give me mad. Yeah. I'm swearing. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, Bob, is that the what they need to do is take away Matt Forte. That should be. What they do, the game plan should be similar to what they did against New Orleans, uh, so New Orleans in New Orleans against the St. Louis Rams, and what they did in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles is take out that receiving running back, be able to chip him coming out of the backfield, stop the run. If they can stop the run and stop the the pass to Matt Forte, then it's going to force Jake Cutler to go up against. Uh, you know, Darrell Revis with Brandon Marshall, or go up against, uh, whether it be Brandon Browner or Alfonso Dennard with Alshon Jeffrey. And, of course, one of the things that we haven't talked about 
um, yet on the podcast is Alshon Jeffries versus uh, Alfonso Dennard um, in college. There was a uh, there was a little fight that broke out between those guys in 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 college, and Dennard did a very phenomenal job in uh, in covering uh, Jeffries in that game. So it's I'm I'm hoping that the Patriots, you know, stop the run, stop Matt Forte. And then make them beat them with the wide receivers. Now that could be asking, you know, uh, you know, for the devil's hand because they are two very good wide receivers. But I feel that the Patriots' defensive backs, especially if they come out and play man, can uh, can definitely have the upper hand. Yeah, I I, I think the Bears are are a good opponent. You, and first I of all, you never let me finish. I let you finish. You just you I let, let you me. finish up to the point when oh. you started comparing them to the what was the nickname the the, the Rams had that yeah. greatest two on turf. Yeah. On turf. Yeah. I wasn't. I was comparing. I was comparing the fact that their their offenses are run through their running back. I wasn't comparing, you know, Kurt Warner. Who I mean, honestly, Kurt Warner wasn't really that great of a quarterback. Well, yeah, the skill players around him. But but setting that aside. Are you calm down now? Have you, take a deep breath. I need some Xanax while I talk to you. <laughs> well, the thing I look at, and, and you know, statistics are for, I, I don't want to say this because some people get mad when I say it. Statistics are for losers, and you can make statistics say what you want them to say. Now, it's nice when you win a game, and you can go to the statistics and say, oh, look, here's how good we are, here's, here's how oh, we the Patriots are at this or the Bears are at that, but they really don't mean a whole bunch because every game is a new game. Every game plan is different, and the personnel, the matchups of personnel are, are what's so critical. But that being said, the Patriots have run 12 straight home games. They've, they've extended the longest current home winning streak in the NFL. They haven't lost a regular season home game since 2012 when they lost to San Francisco. They've won 70 straight home games when they lead at halftime. They are so much better at a team as a team at home. Now Chicago has been good on the road. Chicago's 3 and 1 on the road. But they're 3 and 4 overall. And and you know the Patriots as I mentioned to Doug, I, I do think this is as close as you're going to get to a must-win game this early in the year as you can be because of that follow-up schedule that we talked about earlier. But the Bears are not great. They are good. Can they beat the Patriots? Sure. Hell, the Jets almost beat the Patriots. The Raiders now, first, almost well, beat the Patriots. Well, the Bears are good. They were my Super Bowl pick, and they can still get yeah. <laughs> Well, in my memory of the Bears were the defense. I mean, it was... Yeah, their defense does And suck. their defense is not good anymore. It's a their, very their, mediocre. Their yeah. Nice. And how about their former defensive star Brian Urlacher coming yeah. out and pretty much, <laughs> pretty much telling the world that Jay Cutler's not a leader and he sucks. And he's certainly not an elite quarterback. So, I, I mean, no, but how many people can you sit there and put in the elite category for, for quarterbacks? I mean, if, if, if really, if you're looking at it right now, if you're looking at the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, I mean, you got names like Peyton Manning. I mean, obviously Peyton Manning setting the. Uh, all-time passing uh, touchdown uh, record last week. 
uh, is an elite quarterback. Drew Brees, um, although his, his statistics aren't as great as they normally are, still a fairly good elite quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, elite quarterback. Uh, Andrew Luck, really starting to become more of an elite quarterback. And then you have Tom Brady, who at the beginning of the season looked like it was about done, and the last three weeks has looked very much like an elite quarterback. But, I mean, how many can you really I have? Know, I mean, I Jay, think... Cut- Jay Cutler's in that in that second tier of quarterbacks. But I don't even think he's uh, high in that second tier. I... No, I'm going to put him lower in that second tier. Uh, you know, I, I am – he's – you know, I mean, coming out of Vanderbilt, there wasn't – he was a first-round draft pick of the Denver Broncos, and, and uh, you know, he was pretty good in Denver. And then Josh McDaniels went there, and he didn't want him, and, and, and probably for good reason, and which led to Brandon Marshall getting traded and led to, you know, basically McDaniels getting fired and Tim Tebow getting the start. Um, you know, and now Josh McDaniels, unfortunately, is back with the New England <laughs> Patriots and, and ruining everything that could be good. <laughs> Slight exaggeration, but I'm not going to disagree with you on that because he really frustrated me. Josh McDaniels sucks. There you go. You're going down that road again. I'm going. He's the most overrated pile of pond scum, you know, that I've ever – I've never quite got this guy. You know, and and I bash him so much, and I'm so good at bashing him. Oh, am I good at that? I swear, take take the – and, Bob, I know you're old, and, and I don't even think you, you know, remember Atari. So when I sit there and I say, you know, Xbox and, and the PS4, and it, take that controller out of his hand and say, okay, this isn't, you know, Madden football. You know, Bob, I know for you it was probably, you know, the electronic football where the guys kind of kind of ran around <laughs> and, and felt that. After the replay and turned electricity <laughs> yeah. on it, they worked their way down. <laughs> But really, I mean, take that controller out of his hand. He uh, just let's, let's gets so him. cute. I know we'll spend a so whole cute. show, rest of the show, talking about him. We agree to Good. agree that we Wait, we're that agreeing? is play calling. And, we're agreeing. And I di- yes, and I, I disagree with Doug that they didn't have the opportunity to, to run the ball. Well, they, I, I, and I disagree with Doug there, so, too. Yeah. And I, I have a lot of respect for Doug. I just think they never, you know, tried to establish um, the run. Establish the yep. run. No. You know, a, a quick thing about Doug, and and, and for those of you who, who don't know Doug's background, he worked for AnyPatriotsDraft.com uh, before, and of course we've had our friend Mike Loiko from them on before in the past. Uh, and, and then he got the job at Nesson. And, and when I was down, you know, uh, this this year in the in the media tent uh, working uh, with those guys, I was so utterly impressed with with watching him and how he looks at the game of football. I mean, the first thing he's out there doing, and this is a student of the game. I'm going to give Doug, Doug that, and I don't want to be a huggy-huggy, kissy-kissy face with Doug here. Yeah, but I, I, I really like the way him, Mike Reese, and there's a lot of other guys out there, but he's sitting there and you know he's charting exactly who's out there. You know he's like, all right, where, all right, who's on the offensive line? All right, we got seventy-seven, we got sixty-three. All right, that that's that. And he's and he's just doing that stuff. And the way he breaks down, you know, his his film reviews and, and shows you exactly uh, what things are going to look like on film. It's it's pretty impressive. So uh, kudos to Doug there. But yes, I do disagree with him where I believe that they just never decided to try to run the ball. And I think that is what led the, for the game to be closer than it was because 
at the end of that game, the Patriots defense was absolutely gassed because they were they were going three and out on well, offense. You know the worst thing that happened in that game, and Doug mentioned it, was that touchdown pass to Vereen. That 49-yard touchdown pass, which, by the way, is the longest TD catch by a running back in Gillette Stadium history. But it was so easy. It was so well, there easy. Was no one yeah, and I think McGrady almost on the sideline went, oh, man, this is going to be a piece of cake. I can do that all day long and forgot about the damn run. I mean, Gray looked – granted, he only ran a few times. But I was impressed when he ran the ball, and I thought, hey, keep giving this kid the ball. If he doesn't fumble, the combination of him and Vereen can move the ball and make the passing game work or the play-action work, and they never they, they just didn't run it. Three of the runs, what was it, 13 total runs in the game, Jeff? Uh, six, uh, 15 runs okay. in the game. And three of them 15. were the last three times they had. Yeah, to, when, they were trying, when they were trying to kill, yeah. kill the clock. And didn't do it very well, by the way. And, yeah. and 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 they did it hard. Yeah, and and not only that, but it, it, it I mean, the the inability to or the unwillingness to run the ball uh, in the game really hurt them at the end of the game because they weren't in that mindset to run the football. We remember, you know, when we were talking on pass beat uh, before the Buffalo game, I said, listen, the the Buffalo Bills have a great front seven. They're not going to be able to get a lot of rushing yards <clears throat> against this team. But you know what we got to do, or the Patriots need to do, is they need to pass and set up the run, and they stuck to the running game. Now, granted, they only they had 27 carries for 50 yards. That's horrible. But they, but at least, they carried the ball 27 times. That's enough exactly. to make the defense think they could possibly be running it. Last week, the defense, after a certain point in that game, the defense didn't, I'm certain, didn't even think about the run. No, they did. there's no way they did. Hey, let me, uh, let me mention something, too, and I, I know we want to talk about the Bears. It made me very happy last week. Danny, Danny Amendola, first of all, needs to be back there on kickoff returns for the rest of the year. Showed a spark. God, he looked good. Showed back there, a didn't definite he? spark. He did. I, I was shocked when he was there, and he really looked good. And then that catch he made for the touchdown oh, I realized the was touchdown. a great catch. It was Brady threw it behind him a little bit, and it was an improvised. Hey. I'm going to forget yeah, the word. You know what it. I mean? A made-up pattern. <laughs> he had gone to the outside, when, and, and you probably saw this on your focus on film, and then Brady scrambled a little bit, and Amendola then saw that he had to change his route, went back inside, and Brady picked him up. It was just a great... It was a perfect pitch and catch. Uh, actually, the pitch was a little behind, yeah. as you said. Improvisational. That's the word I was trying to say a minute ago that I couldn't say. And I think that putting Danny Amendola on kickoff returns got him involved in the game, got him his juices flowing, and allowed him to make that play. Now, granted, it's one catch for the game, you know, one touchdown. Uh, he should have had another catch, but Brandon LaFell doesn't know how <laughs> to run that pick play. Uh, you know, we need to talk to Brandon LaFell about that because he's a great blocker, just – don't engage so quick, Brandon. Well, in as many penalties as the Patriots have had, and we really haven't gone on that a whole bunch, but they are like last in the NFL for, for 63 penalties. 
and and LaFell is number two on the team. And amazing to me, because I didn't realize this, you know who's number one on the team in penalties? Uh, it's got to be uh, Darrell Revis. No. Logan Ryan. Hell, he's not on the field that much. How's he getting? So he's got six penalties for eighty-three yards. Well, because they they call illegal sneezing on every single play. Yeah, but still, I, it's, I, it's, no, it's it's absolutely pathetic. You know, I I can understand that. You know, they they want to put the focus on you know uh, the offensive side of the ball. You know, with with, with you know Peyton Manning and all the stats and the fantasy geeks out there. Now, granted, I play fantasy football too, but. Oh, it wasn't broke. Yep. Peyton Manning broke both the passing yardage and the passing TDs last year. It wasn't broke until the Super Bowl where the Golden Boy got manhandled. Yeah. And, oh, oh, Ginger Boy, oh, hey, competition committee, could you do us a favor? Listen, little Manning, Archie's boy, yeah, he hasn't won a Super Bowl in a while. Granted, he's won one, you know, before Tom Brady, but he hasn't won in a while, and, and you know, it did. He was not happy. It kind of reminded me of uh, of that movie from the mid nineteen nineties, Necessary Russell, uh, Roughness, where where uh, Scott Bakula is running around going, "Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle." Well, that, that's that's Peyton Manning, you know. I like and, and, and I like his new series too. Oh, CSI New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very good. All those. Why CSI. are we still seeing Jordan Devy out there? Well, I think that's injuries. I mean, I really no, think I don't care. Put someone – I mean, they had bodies. I couldn't believe him when he was in at towards the end of the game again. And by the he way, he's, he's fourth in penalties on the team. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. One, two, three. Yeah, fourth on penalties. And he got one again, if you remember, quote, protecting Brady late. Yeah, you know what? I, that's – that right there, I, I I will I will give him a pass right there, a hundred percent. There's pass. ways to do it. Yeah, but you but won't I mean, hurt and, the team, and everybody still knows you did it. It was so for, far after the play that I. Yeah, I understand that, and but you know, and and granted, I just did make fun of of Peyton Manning and the blow of the whistle, blow the whistle. And for the the listeners out there who are not Patriots fans, yes, I get it, Tom Brady does complain to the officials just as much as any other quarterback out there. You know, they made the Brady rule on him. Um, and he did but, kind of take a dive on that play. When you do your focus on film, yeah, he yeah. got touched. <laughs> he, he, like, you swore he was hit with a Mack truck the way he went down. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But I'll give it to Jordan Devy for sticking up for his quarterback. I, I, I don't mind that as as much. You know, I, I like to see good physical things. Now, granted, was it a dumb penalty? Yeah, it was a dumb penalty. But in the end, it didn't end up costing the Patriots the game. So, Bob, let's um, let's give our predictions for this game. And then I'd really like to focus, even though we don't like to do it around here, I would really like to focus on the task at hand for the New England Patriots over the next six games. So, who went first last week? I think week? I went game? first last week. You went first right. the week before, and I went yeah, first I last week. So this is your turn again. All right, so my turn. I do think the Patriots win. Um, and I think here's here's my reasons for the Patriots winning. Even though they are down Chandler Jones and, you know, oh, God, the, 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 the Twittersphere fell apart with the – man, you know, 
I wish half these people out there would remember how bad it was. And you know, let's face it, social media is, you know, I mean, we're 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 both. I mean, you're definitely older. <laughs> <laughs> But we are both older than most of the people that use social media. You know, I I personally dislike social media. That's probably a bad thing to say. It's just it turns into just such a oh everybody's got an opinion out there, and of course I wouldn't have this podcast if it wasn't social media. But you look know, in the mirror, Jeff. There. I know, but they're out there and they're. You know, oh God, Chandler Jones is out for a month. We're, we're gonna go out in four. There's no, there's no pass rush. We suck. This and that and the other thing. And uh, you know, and, and three weeks ago is trade Brady. You know, it's like, calm down. In the in the immortal words of Rosie Colvin, just calm down, calm down. Let's see what happens here. So, listen, the Patriots are gonna come out and they're gonna come out playing well. They did not have a great game on a short week against the Jets. They had 10 days to prepare for the Chicago Bears. They can come out, and I think that the matchup on the outside for the wide receivers versus, uh, you know, the Patriots defense, I think that's a that's a, a, a granted big thing for the, the Patriots. I think they can win there. I think the Patriots offense, as long as they stay balanced, and, and, and I know I sit there and say 30 runs, I don't care if they don't get 30 runs, but give me 25 and 35 passes. You know, give me a, a, a 55-45 split. I don't want to see any of this more 70-30 like it was the other night. Establish a run game. So I think the Patriots can win, and I expect them to win. And I'm actually expecting them to score quite a few points against the Bears because I don't think the Bears' defense is phenomenal. I'm expecting the Patriots to put up 31 points and and, and win this game 30 to 20, uh, 31 to 20. Man, you're close to me. I got I got 31-27. I was afraid you were going to go there. I I agree with everything you just said. And by the way, what did you just say? No, I 31. Yeah, no, I don't. I I really think this is going to be a high scoring game, despite the fact I just got through saying how I'm not impressed with Cutler, I'm not impressed with with their offense. I also am still worried about this defense. With the injuries they have, the adjustments they have to make. Give Bill Belichick 10 days to prepare for a team. There's no way he's going to lose this game. There's Especially with after how bad they played yeah, I, uh, against the Jets. They because were they, they as played flat play. as I – and flat is a word I'd use, Jeff. They just came out flat, even though they scored on that 49-yard TD. You didn't see any excitement. You didn't see any of what you had been seeing the previous two weeks against Cincinnati and against the Bills. And you know, there's always that one game a year where the Patriots kind of, kind of just look past the team. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I think the biggest one I can remember was I think it was the 2010 season where they were going up against the the, the Cleveland Browns and they just kind of looked past the team and and they lost. Um, because they had to go up and play the Steelers the following week. I think the Patriots kind of got caught in the fact that, you know, they had dominated the Cincinnati Bengals, and they had dominated, uh, not really dominated, but... No, but they were in control. They they were in control of that Buffalo Bills game. And then they're looking at the Jets and going, oh, this team's 1-5. They got one win against the Oakland Raiders. Their quarterback you know, is, is, their, is... Their quarterback horrible. is crap. 
you know, uh, they we they just lost D. Milner, their 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 uh, corner their cornerback. So yeah, let's attack them. And 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 unfortunately, and, and fortunately, it 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 ended up biting them in the ass a little bit. So I would expect just like that game against the Kansas City Chiefs that the Patriots can learn from that. Luckily, it was a victory that they can learn from and not a defeat. I agree. I no, and I'm. I can't believe they would play flat this week. They were tired last week, and I give them that. But so were the Jets. I mean, you you can't say the Patriots were tired and not say the Jets were because the Jets. Oh, I'm not saying the. Jets no, no, were I know tired. you weren't, but I'm just saying people that are using oh, they oh, were yeah. tired as an excuse. I mean, yes, they were tired, but so were the Jets. But the Jets showed a lot more life. <laughs> Than the Patriots did, and especially when they were still in. Yeah, you're exactly that right. That's exactly right. To the Jets, that was their season. And, and you know, to watch Rex Ryan on the sideline and his reaction as things were going on, his job is on the line. He wanted to win that. There's no such thing as a moral victory. When the season ends, it's how many did you win and how many did you lose. And the Jets are one and six now, and and they made a trade for Percy Harvin. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Harvin. I I saw Pats fans saying they why didn't we get Harvin? I don't want him. He's a I I don't want Harvin. And you know one of our good writers, Bill, uh, Billy uh, Wyatt, yep. he's a, a new writer, yep. uh, wrote a nice piece, very good piece about the Patriots show should have gone out and got yep. uh, Percy Harvin. I found that Percy Harvin, it's it's not what the Patriots needed. Well, and you know, all, it, it, all wide re- first of all, every wild wide receiver, with very few exceptions, is an egomaniac. They have to be. That's that's yeah. their role. So when they don't get the ball, they're all upset. Whether you're Randy Moss, Julian Edelman, I don't care who you are, when they don't get the ball, it upsets them. But when you're reading the things that occurred with her, he pulled himself out of games. Games. Yeah, I mean, because they weren't throwing to him enough. I mean, they gave up. Seattle gave up a first round draft pick for this guy a year ago. And they dumped him for a sixth round draft pick this next year. That ought to tell you something about how bad a distraction he fought with his teammates. And it wasn't just one. He was just is such a cancer in the clubhouse, and and Pete Carroll is a player uh, coach. Yeah. And for Pete Carroll to give up on this guy, and now you're bringing him into the dysfunctional locker room that is the New York Jets. Can you imagine uh, with with Smith as the quarterback, how angry he's going to be after about two games with the Jets? That that. Not only does he not, won't he get the ball? Although I'm certain they'll try and throw it to him a lot. Oh yeah, but, yeah. And the Jets are, you know what the Jets are doing right now? I mean, the Jets are uh, assembling talent. I mean, late. if you look at that, if you look at the, no, if you look at that roster, right? And, and you sit there and go, all right, Chris Ivory. I mean, he just ate up the Patriots. Uh, Chris Johnson's a, 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 you know, he's not as great as he was in 2010, but he's still a capable NFL running back. Jay Samaro, you know, we've talked about him on the program, not only last week, but in the offseason when we were looking for the Patriots to possibly draft him. And then you have Eric Decker 
and, and Jeremy Curley, who's a very good wide receiver. Now you add in Percy Harvin. They got a lot of talent on that on that side of the ball. The, the fact is, though, they're, they're just putting talent together. They're not building a team. Well, and they don't have a quarterback. I'm sorry. He looked great against the Patriots. I looked at him and go, okay, maybe this guy. But then you look at what his track record is. This guy is just not a good quarterback. He is not an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. If I'm wrong, I'm going to pull a U. I will buy a jersey with his name on it and wear it as much as I don't like the Jets. But I'll oh, get a, hey, wait a second. Maybe I can get a Smith jersey from another team, huh? So, but anyway. Well, I, but hey, look. Remember last week when I said that that if Brandon Bolden had a huge game, yeah. I would buy his jersey. The man didn't even get a carry. Didn't have to worry about that. He only he was only on the field for one offensive play. Obviously, Brandon Bolden's a very good special teams player. Brings nothing to the offense. In fact, that was that was something I had in my little notes here. But I know we're running out of time. So you want to go and look at what's – I mean, we both made our picks. We're both, yep. we're both pretty close, and I've written them down. And you've got, what, 31 20, 20. 20. 31. Yeah, and I've got 31-27. So I've got them scoring one more TD than you. But we both are in agreement the Pats should score 30 or more points, just as we were when they played Oakland. And uh, <laughs> so wait, they didn't they didn't score thirty points points against Oakland. No, they didn't. You sure? I don't think so. Maybe if they played them twice, they could have. All right, Bob. So we've made our picks. We're at the point now where all of Patriots Nation is looking at this next six game stretch, which looks quite daunting. Um, for the New England Patriots, let's talk about this this next six game stretch because the Patriots sit at five and two, and a lot of people sit there and think of them as a as a week five and two. I I think of them as a a work in progress right now. Um, home against the uh, Chicago Bears, home against the Denver Broncos, a bye week, then they travel to the Indianapolis Colts, who are playing very good football. And, and Indianapolis now has a defense. Whoever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Indianapolis having a defense? Chicago, uh, then they got the uh, Detroit Lions at home, um, Green Bay away, and then the Chargers away. The Chargers are 5-2. and two. So if you look at that, what they got, they play a 3-4 and four Bears team this week, which I think is better than a 3-4 and four team. They play uh, a Denver Broncos team, which at recording time was five and one. A Colts team that right now is five and two. Lions five and two. Packers five and two, and Chargers five and two. That's brutal. Yeah, and I and I know you said three and three, and I I I hope to God you're right. I do think they can beat the Lions, um, and. You know, that's at home where they're better. And the Lions, although from a skill level, I think the Lions are right up there with the top teams. But every year, the Lions seem to collapse. And and playing at Foxborough, I think they should win that one. I do think, as both of us do, they'll beat the Bears this weekend. I look at the rest of them, and it's going to be tough. I mean, if you take the home games, you know, then they should beat Denver. I, but that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough, Jeff, even even I, though it's a home I'm, game. I'm going to put this out right here, right now. 
I believe the Patriots are going to go three and three. Now, I I predicted the Patriots to be eleven and five when the season started, and I also predicted them to go to the Super Bowl and win. It's still all possible. When we talked at the beginning of the season, I said that the Patriots would lose to Kansas City. I thought that was an insurmountable game to win. Kansas City is a very tough place to play. Although I thought they'd be a lot better than they they were going into that game. Obviously, they weren't as great. I think they were one and two at the time. Absolutely handled the Patriots. And then I said that I thought that they would drop a a game in the division, which I said could probably be the Miami Dolphins the first week of the season. So yeah, they sat it to it. And I'm I, I'm going to let you go through your whole thing. But you and I both agreed that they should be four and one after their first five games. And, and we did, we did agree. That. We so, went through it, so that doesn't mean they would have lost to Miami. We did. I think both of us said we thought Kansas City was going to be the tough game, but I, I, we both had them in our. And I, I'm going by memory here, and I know you've got the tapes, but I think both of us said they'd be four and one after their first five games. Yeah, we looked at it, and I think we both said four and one. And I did say, I, I know I said that that Miami game could be a spot where they. Uh, where they would lose. Because I, I don't think you it. said where they will lose. I think you said, just as could, I did, could, it was going to be could, a tough game. Because remember, I was the one harping on the Heat. And yeah, saying exactly. I thought the Heat would have an impact on them. Which... I'm not talking about the Patriots beat that happened before week one. I'm talking about the <laughs> Patriots beat that was in the preseason, where we looked at, where we looked at the schedule. But okay. anyway. Okay. So go through these games and tell me where the three wins are going to come. All right. Chicago. That's going to be a victory. I'm leaning to a loss to to Denver. I, I think right now Denver is playing extremely well. Coming off the bye against the Indianapolis Colts, the Patriots are going to win that game. The Patriots are going to win that game. They will beat the Detroit Lions at home. Then they will lose back-to-back games on the road to the Green Bay Packers and to the uh, San Diego Chargers. And then they finish it off with three straight games against the division in uh, in Miami, the Jets, and Buffalo. I believe all three are wins, and the Patriots finish 11-5. and When's the last time the Patriots lost two games in a row? Do you remember? Uh, I believe it was the 2012 season. I know they didn't last year. And I I don't think it was the year before. Actually, it was the Super Bowl season of 2011. Okay, yeah. They lost back-to-back games. So, yeah, Yeah, they lost back-to-back games um, against the – actually, no, it was 2012. They lost to the Arizona Cardinals, and then they lost to the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Back-to-back. The last time they lost back-to-back games. I know it's been a while. But I, has, you know, I hope you're right, Jeff. I really do. I'm just, I'm nose to frickin' down. It's like, what's I'm right. You've got to get some players healthy, like Chandler Jones. I know you're not going to have Mayo back, and you have to be able to stop the run. Yeah. And when they show I, me they can stop the run, then I'm a lot happier camper. I'm more on board. Because they just look so bad against the run. I'm going to say this right now. I Because there's been four games where they've allowed under 80 yards rushing. And then there's been three games there where they've allowed 130 or more. 
190 or more. So it's feast or famine. Well, but, but when you look at the games where they allowed less, one was Minnesota. Minnesota didn't have a running back. So you've you got to kind of throw that one out the window. The games that they have given up a lot are with teams with good running backs. I mean, no Sean Marino. Tears them up. Cincinnati. Look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati doesn't have a great running team. Cincinnati is a wonderful running team. Giovanni Bernard is a great running back. But anyway, they 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 still need to show me they can stop the run if a team tries to tries to establish the run and then use the same thing we're talking about the Patriots doing and then use that for play action and use that for for the rest of their passing game whether they run first or pass first to establish the other. I don't think it really matters, as you mentioned earlier. I think there's a point where the Patriots, you want them to establish the pass because the, then the run works, but you don't want them throwing 15 passes in a row. And and I think that's the same way with the teams we play. If If any team falls into passing the ball 5-1, to 4-1, to one, the Pats are going to win it because their pass, their pass defense is very good. Yes, their pass defense is extremely good. So, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Why, why don't you go through the games, Bob, and tell me All what right. you think. I, I've already happen. said I think they'll beat Chicago. I'm real nervous about Denver. i I got to say I think Denver's going to win that one. By game time, I may change my mind. I am worried about them going to Indy. I do think that they will beat Detroit. And then, you know, it depends on how they play well against the Chargers, even when they go to the West Coast. And I know that's tough to go from the East Coast to the West Coast, just as it is for those West Coast teams to come East. But they have history, and I, I haven't looked this up. My memory is even when they've gone to the West Coast, they've played pretty good against San Diego. So if they're going to win that third one, that's it, because I don't think they can beat the Packers. Uh, unless all I the Packers, for, all I remember for for San Diego was was going out there in 2008 uh, Sunday night football game and getting their butts handed yeah. to them. But then again, you know Matt Castle was the starting quarterback of that team. So, uh, Bob, real quick before we close this thing out, um, while Minnesota didn't have a running back, they're, they're seventh in the league right now in rushing yards, uh, averaging. Um, 125 yards per game. So so they're, you know, the Patriots shut them down. Um, Buffalo is, you know, they just under, uh, they're at the midpoint. They, they average 103 yards per game. Uh, you know, so, I mean, those are two things. I, I'll give you Oakland. Oakland is a terrible runner. They're the worst running team in the league, uh, only averaging 69 yards a game running the ball. That is horrible. You know, You know how bad that is right there? And they I mean, almost they, beat us. And they did almost <laughs> beat us, but but they averaged 69 yards rushing per game. The next worst team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who average 89.8. So we're talking a 20-yard-per-game uh, differential. Uh, it's just unreal. Unbelievable. All right. Well, we, All right. we'll see. I mean, and again, I, I'm... I know you've said that you think the Bears are going to run it a lot, and I do like Forte. But using those those same statistics you just used, 
The Bears are 24th. They're averaging under 100 yards a game, 95.3. Join myself and Patrick Shankauer after the Bears and Patriots game as we discuss the good, the bad, and uh, I don't have a good thing for the ugly anymore. <laughs> Used to be the offensive line, but I think the offensive line has, has, has turned a corner. Starting now, to gel so. a little bit. Until next week, uh, thanks a lot again to Doug Hyde of Nesson for joining us uh, on today's podcast. Tonight's uh, podcast was brought to you by the Sea on Us Radio all-new mobile app. Definitely download it. You can download it for free on iTunes and, of course, the Google Play store for your Android device and your iPhone by going to www.clnsradio.com slash iOS free and www.clnsradio.com slash Android. Don't forget, we're giving away two free Celtics tickets as one of our contests. Uh, All you have to do is go to the CLNS Radio uh, fan page on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans and then downloading the app on your on your iTunes or your uh, Android from Google Play, rating it and reviewing it, and we'll be giving away two Celtics tickets to a lucky listener and follower and fan of CLNS Radio. And, of course, we also have our other uh, promotion that's going on right now. CLNS Radio is very close to 6,000 followers. Once we hit the 6,000 follower mark, uh, we will be giving away two Patriots tickets to a lucky fan and uh, and follower. All you'll have to do there is uh, go to the Patriots Beat Podcast on iTunes, www.clnsradio.com slash patsbeatsitunes or on Stitcher, www.clnsradio.patsbeatsitunes. You just rate us, review us with your Twitter handle, and we will pick one of our lucky listeners uh, to go to a Patriots game. So that's a super uh, super deal there. So thank you, everyone, for listening to Patriots Beat. I was uh, your host, Jeff Kane, and that was Bob Snowden, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Hey, have a great week, everybody. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.